Welcome, Scooper Troopers and Inside Scoopers, Scat Cats, and Littermates. Hello. And people that also want to be called none of those things. <laughs> Welcome to The Dipshit Files, Episode 4. I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. And I'm Mrs. Scriptkeeper. And we're going to talk about one specific UFO case today. Yes. Instead of the serial killers like we have been for the last few weeks. Right. We're staying away from the killing and the serialness of it. So this time, we're going to talk about this, the case of Fire in the Sky. That's the name of the movie. Yeah. But that's how I think of it <laughs> but it's it's Travis Walton yeah it's the Travis Walton abduction story and it's a crazy story if you haven't it heard is. it before but yeah there's books and documentaries and TV interviews and a freaking movie yeah and, and that, there's a new movie out too right it just came out a couple right? of months ago yeah well the movie I saw in 97 I think I it was say, 97 yeah. that tripped me out there was a couple scenes in there where you know whoo yeah I didn't want to believe anymore. It was, I was like, yeah. I want to believe. And then I was like, no. No, I don't, no. Want, I don't want that. But we'll talk about how he feels about that movie mm-hmm. and his story mm-hmm. and all that crazy shit as we open up another dipshit file. <laughs> dipshit of files. So today is the Travis Walton story, and we're going to do our dipshit meter a little different today Mm because it's for UFOs, and it's already kind of outside of the box, Mm -hmm. and we'll go over that at the end of the show. And this one actually doesn't rank super high as far as what we consider the meter for this, which is very, very, very likely that it happened. But the story is fascinating, Mm -hmm. and it's a fun one to start with. Mm-hmm. And you're going to tell us a story. But I am. Bef- but before we get into the story, we thought we'd talk UFOs in general for a minute. Well, since this is our first UFO episode, yeah. uh, I'm going to kind of go into a little bit of information and things that I found in my research while I was researching the Travis Walton story. I came across a bunch of really interesting things that I wanted to throw in here. Quick history of UFO shit. UFO sightings date back to biblical times. In the Bible's book of Ezekiel, a mysterious ship is described as appearing from the sky in Chaldea, which is modern-day Kuwait. Strange sightings were recorded around Rome in 218 BC. A wave of mysterious apparitions showed up in 4th century China when a moon boat was documented floating over the country once every 12 years. That was interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah. A smattering of other unfamiliar objects in the sky were noted in Germany in 1561. Hull, England in 1801, and multiple times during World War II when Allied pilots used the term Foo Fighters. Nice. Not to be confused with the band. There goes my (laughs) alien. To describe the odd circles of light, pilots noticed flanking their planes during combat. That's where Dave Grohl got it from. The term UFO, short for Unidentified Flying Object, was coined in 1953 by the United States Air Force as a bucket term for unexplained sightings like these. That means aliens. Stateside sightings were hardly restricted to military flyover zones. Our grandpappies were seeing all kinds of shit. The first recorded UFO sighting dates to 1639, when long before the era of planes and satellites... Yeah, John Winthrop wrote in his diary about a large, strange light in the sky that shot back and forth. I do think I saw a drunken angel today. By the time Ball he, lightning. Wife. Yeah. By the time he and the other men on his boat got their wits about them, their vessel was a mile from where it had been when they first spotted the light. Damn. So a little what, bit. Of, what was the timeline though? It was a time. I'm that I'm not sure. I would have they, to. They felt in. like they lost time though. They did. They felt by the time. 
Yeah, they just felt like they lost time. So that was kind of like one of those. Well, fuck them. I don't believe them. Loss of time things. I think they were drunk. This was. Probably you know, had scurvy. A long time ago. Yep, scurvy times. They had scurvy. So since its founding in 1974, the National UFO Reporting Center has documented around 90,000 UFO sightings. What? With almost 95% of those sightings easily explained away as military tests, weather balloons, or other regular terrestrial activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so NU Force... New Forces 24-7 hotline has a ranking of the states with the most reported UFO sightings with a data set that includes, excuse me, data set. I appreciate that. That includes uh, reports dating back to the 1400s. I looked at that when I was working for Time Suck. Oh, yeah? For the Secret Suck a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to see certain states where they ranked. Yeah, it's interesting. The Northwest is always high with... uh, It was super interesting. There's always military bases in those states, too. Mm -hmm. But there's military bases in every state. Well, there's pretty much. It's the U.S. So over the past 70 years, Arizona, which is the area that this story that we're going to be doing is located in, has been home base for thousands of reports of UFO sightings and alien abductions. Hmm. While a number of incidents have made headlines, two of the most talked about events include the reported alien abduction of Travis Walton in mm. 1975, which today we're covering today, yep. and the Phoenix Lights, an event that took place on March 13th, 1997. I love that story. It was so interesting. Yeah. I remember watching it, not live live, but, but that day. Yeah, it was really or interesting. the day after kind of thing, yeah. Arizona's long been known for its mysterious lights in the sky. Arizona has some data to confirm it's a magnet for possible UFO events. An analysis recently done by the website Outphoria, which is, I've never heard of them until I started doing research I've never on heard this. Of either, yeah. But they found Arizona was the seventh, has the seventh most sightings for unknown flying objects in the country. And that, that article was published December 21st of 2021. Oh, so they're keeping up with it. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So they pulled their data from the National UFO Reporting Center and pinpointed some of the biggest hotspots for paranormal activity in the sky. And I thought this was interesting, so I wanted to throw it in. All right, let's hear it. The first documented image of a UFO was captured in 1870 on the summit of Mount Washington in New Hampshire. More sightings were reported. Somebody paint it or something? The first documented image. Somebody paint it? <laughs> like, is that a photograph? Oh yeah, it was a photograph. Son of a bitch! Yeah, what? they used to do metal. They used to do metal. I think. Photos. Okay, I know. Okay, yeah. I think I know that one. Dumb. Yeah. So more sightings were reported at Mount Rainier in Washington in 1947, hmm. and of course several in Roswell, New Mexico. But 47 was, I think, where they got the 19... the, UFO, the disc, the disc shaped. Yeah. Everybody was the flying saucer. I think saucer that's term the saucer from term came the Rainier from that. One, yeah. yeah. That's our Washington State claim to fame. We like it. Yeah. We're proud of it. Well, since then, countless numbers of unusual shapes in the sky and their supposed inhabitants have been exhaustively reported without without sufficient explanations beyond the possible existence of extraterrestrial life. That was a quote from that place, that, that website. Hmm. A surge in eyewitness accounts reported even more sightings along with attempts to protect against invasions and abductions. <laughs> more than 40,000 Americans bought into alien protection insurance. I nice. thought that was really interesting, which offers their customers monetary relief should a loved one get carted away by little green men. I would love to know how much that is a month. That's funny. 
Somebody, somebody's winning out pretty good on that. So one, and it's not the uh, insurance policy holder. I doubt. I would think one Roper policy in 1991 suggested around four million Americans believe they've been abducted by aliens. Four million people. Four million. Whoa. Yeah, it was a Roper poll in '91. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. One day I'll tell you guys the story that I have involved with this stuff. But yeah. I'm not going to tell that now. Please continue. So states with the most UFO sightings. So this is the data as of December 21st of 2021. Mm. So number one is California with 10,333. Number Big two, state. Number two is Florida, uh, five, 5,826. And Washington State, where we are right here, mm-hmm. with 4,351. And we have a pretty small population yeah. compared to those other two states. So this we are fucking looking to the sky and seeing <laughs> shit. But this is also, you know, Seattle's Jet City. Mm-hmm. And now uh, we've got uh, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works is probably doing some fucking crazy <laughs> shit that we don't know. I don't know. And Boeing, of course. So states we got the, jet shits going on. States with the fewest UFO sightings. Number one, Washington, D.C. with only 87. Aliens are smart. They're avoiding the politicians. Uh, number two, North Dakota with 192. There's no one to see it. And number three, Wyoming with 266. There's no one to see it. <laughs> and a vast amount of space to not see it in. Yeah. So I found, that, I found that bit of information interesting. And I'm going to move into Arizona now. So Arizona, by the numbers... UFO sightings in Arizona as of December 21st, 2021 is 3,188. The aliens are coming for our wisdom bags. Some of the most notable UFO sightings in Arizona include a 1953 incident when three Prescott residents saw eight UFOs at Del Rio Springs Creek and another November 5th, 1975 when 22-year-old Arizona logger Travis Walton got zapped by a beam of light from a UFO in the Apache Sitgraves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. Fire in the sky. Yeah. As he tells the story on the website, uh, Travis Walton, the documents in his book, Fire in the Sky, originally he had it titled The Walton Experience. Somebody got an agent. Travis Walton was abducted from his work site in an area within the Apache Sitgraves National Forest. While many skeptics have said otherwise, Walton has stuck to his story for more than 40 years. Mm. Yeah. I have an alternative theory as to what happened, by the way, at the end of this. We'll Ooh, get to for I his, can't for wait. His story. I think it, it might apply to all abduction cases that nice. are very vivid and where you're like, oh, maybe something happened to this guy. I have an alternative theory. He had a stroke, didn't he? No, no. It's not. <laughs> it was a dream. It's not. It was. He was on LSD. These guys weren't on drugs, apparently. Mm-mm. So No, there was test testing, and we'll cover that. Yeah. So the next one is the Phoenix Lights. On the night of March 13th, 1997, around 8 p.m., a V-shaped formation of lights flew over several Arizona cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like a multiple cities, yeah. including Phoenix. And about two hours later, another light event took place over Phoenix. Yeah. I've spent some time in Phoenix, and I asked people about it when I was over there a couple times. Mm-hmm. And uh, they believe it. Well, but a lot of people were full of shit, though, that I met over there. Well, just because of the circle of people I know that introduced me to those people, they were just full of shit people in general. Fuck you. But you know, I asked <laughs> I asked a lot of people at the bar, and they were drunk. At the so bu- I I really got no. <laughs> oh, good lord! I got nowhere. But were, I had a good time in Arizona. Is what I'm trying to say. Good folks. Were there lights? Good folks. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's. Were there's there tons two of video separate incidences? Fucking absolutely. Right. However. This is where the line of agreement between believers and skeptics end. That's it. Right. I mean, it's either did or it didn't. Well, the official story was that it was something something to do 
with flares and a military exercise. I have a hard time with that after, you know. Well, I'm not an expert on flares or military anything. Right. But it did not look, it looked very stationary it in did. a lot of ways. Yeah. But maybe they have really good flares. Maybe they've, maybe they're programmed with computer chips It could have been 1997 drones that were just way ahead of maybe. the drones of 1997. And they were just flying in formation. I mean, it could be. Right above the ground. Why not? At nine o'clock at night, above cities, when people are going to be paying attention, well, why people, would they do that? I don't know. Uh, well, because the military base was quite a ways away. It's not super far away from Phoenix. N- no, it's, it's not. But it's why there. would it be over Phoenix? But why? Why wouldn't they do it over the military base? They miscalculated uh, coordinates. Oh, that makes puts a lot of faith in our government, yeah, our well, military. I I have a lot of faith Good in the military. The government Lord. themselves. Yeah, I don't know. Well. So Phoenix Lights, we'll have to get to some other time. But I have to mention, as far as the scale that we have for Mm -hmm. UFOs, that one's high. Just because the amount of, I mean, it's modern. The amount of people that witnessed it, the credibility of the witnesses, Mm -hmm. because it was just the fucking town. It was the, you know, Mm -hmm. not the town, the cities. Yeah. And And it was multiple cities. mm Mm-hmm. Plus, we have video footage. You can go look at it right now and decide for yourself. You can hear the the 911 phone calls. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, very interesting. It's very too. interesting. It's 1997 video footage, though, mm-hmm. so it is potato-ish, but it's you know, mm-hmm. it's still up there. And it you was... can tell. Ask yourself if you look at those lights. Do those look like flares of any kind that you've ever seen ever? Yeah. And do they have those flares now? And no. if they do have those flares, have they been Where public about they? them? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but then someone could be like, "Oh yeah, dude, they've had them for since 1997." You jackass. That's how. We, that's how they fucking told the world we have cool flares now. So the United I, States military. I want to start our story. <clears throat> Fine. Are you so, ready? Let's do it. The Travis Walton story. On November 5th, 1975, 22-year-old Travis Walton was part of a seven-man logging crew in the Sick Graves National Forest near Heber, Arizona. Kind of east central. After a long day of work, darkness had fallen and they had packed up to head home. Driving along the logging road, they all saw a bright light off to their right. If it was about, it'd be stopping. When they got closer, they saw a bright saucer-shaped object hovering about 20 feet over a clearing. Pooped him. Now, just for logistics, their drive home was about 30 miles. Okay. Okay. So they were about, they were quite a ways into their drive home. He never said exactly how far, but quite a ways. Okay. So it wasn't like, you know, they had just left. Mm-hmm. Walton didn't even wait for the truck to come to a stop before jumping out and quickly walking over to investigate. Hey, that's weird. Let's rationalize what to do. No, no, no. I'm going to sprint at it with my dick out. Sorry. Go ahead. Quote. This is his quote. I was awestruck and entranced by the beauty of the thing. I like the pretty lights. I thought it would take off, but it didn't, and I didn't appreciate the danger I was in, said Walton during an interview with two of his former crew members. That was interesting. So here's a little bit of information. Travis Walton. Travis Walton is the man who was abducted. Mm-hmm. His crew, the foreman, is Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers is also Travis's best friend. Mm. And he was dating, Travis was dating Mike's sister, Dana. And they're still married, right? They're still to married day, to yeah. this day. Spoiler alert, he, Travis lives. Yes, he does live. So Mike Rogers is the foreman. He's the boss man. He's Travis's best friend. And Travis is dating Mike's sister, Dana. Right. Alan Dallas Considered the black sheep of the group, potentially friends with Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did have a record, a uh, criminal record. No, I don't but know. I couldn't find the criminal record information. It didn't sound like it was very serious, though. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, Dwayne Smith is in there. Kenny Peterson was 26 years old on the crew. 
Steve Pierce was 17 years old, also on the crew, and Mike Goulet. Mike Goulet is Mike Rogers' brother-in-law. So it's kind of like a, a family and friends thing going yeah. on here. Small little crew. Yeah, little crew. Some young loggers, guys. Mainly just young guys, sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. yeah. As Walton gets closer to the glowing object, the crew started screaming at him to get back in the truck. Get back here, you dumbass. He is struck by a bright beam of light and is sent flying several feet backward as if pushed by an unseen force. Well, that's what you get, dumbass. Freeing Walton had been killed, the others fled the scene in a blind panic. And at least one of them had poop in their pants. But a quarter mile up the road... Rogers, Mike, the foreman, he stops the truck and decides to go back to the spot to retrieve Walton. And I assume possibly fight aliens. But Walton is nowhere to be found. Thank God he didn't have to fight those aliens. Making their way back to town to report the incident, the loggers stopped at the end of a dirt road. To change their poopy pants. To place a call by payphone. And poopy pants. The first officer arriving on scene is Navajo County Sheriff's Deputy Chuck Ellison. Ellison notes how upset all six men are and he does his best to get close enough physically while he's talking to these guys to smell marijuana or alcohol. However, he detected neither. But he did smell poopies. After talking with each of the crew members individually, Ellison calls in his superior, Sheriff Marlon Gillespie. Gillespie brings in backup. Due to the fear he sees in all the crew members, he knows they've seen something. He's just not sure if if it's what they've done or if it really was that they thought they saw a UFO. Right, they were amped up about something. Yeah, they were all very animated. His main concern was finding the missing man, Travis. Gillespie decides to take Mike, the foreman, and two volunteers to go back to the spot and then sends the rest of the crew back to Snowflake, letting them know they're expected to remain in town. I'd like to believe in the UFOs. It's pretty obvious you killed the kid. Why don't you stick around? Mike Rogers, Alan Dallas, and Kenny Peterson led the sheriff and his deputies back to the spot of the sighting. And they're all ready to fight fucking aliens at this point. However, there's no trace of Travis. Not only that, but the sheriff made note that there were no footprints, no tire tracks. No aliens. No odors, no burns, nothing. Especially no aliens. Without the use of high-powered lights, there was no way to search for Travis in the dark, so they decided to wait until morning to form a search party. Throughout the night, the crew's friends and family are alerted to the situation. Travis's older brother, Don, was informed by their mother that Travis was abducted by aliens. Yeah, Travis was abducted. What do you mean, Mom? And aliens finally got him. You sure there might not be another explanation? Well, it could have been Bigfoot. Sorry about that. Go ahead. Don didn't know what to think. My family's nuts? He was kind of dumbfounded. Hmm. So Angie, Mike Rogers' sister, was with Mike's wife Katie at the time of the ordeal. They were They were quilting or something. They started to worry when Mike hadn't got home at his usual time, and it was way past dark. I mean, if you're logging, you can't be cutting trees in the dark. Right. So, Katie's younger brother was Mike Goulet, who was also on the right. crew, one of the crew members. And when the two finally did arrive back to the house, they shared the story with the ladies. Katie, Mike, and Angie's little sister, who was dating Travis at the time. Hey, Katie, weird story about Travis for you. And she is informed of the fact that her boyfriend has gone missing, presumably abducted by aliens. She was in complete shock. Abducted by an alien? (laughs) But she's... Absurd. Yeah, right. But she's uh, stated the guys were so traumatized by the incident, she couldn't help but believe them. Hmm. Their trauma, and and they were very serious. It's worth noting. So November 6, 1975, morning comes, and the true investigation begins. So the next morning. Snowflake is a very religious community, and predominantly Mormon at the time. 
So the story was met with a lot of skepticism. A lot of people were having a hard time believing this. Wait, there's no seer stones and a magic hat? I don't know about this. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Seven years earlier, the U.S. landed a man on the moon for the first time, and just a few months earlier, in July 1975, the decades-long space race between the U.S. and the Soviet Union had come to an end. So, you know, the mines were on this space at this time right. u.s citizens were becoming more aware of space and its mysteries so they, instead of it, it being a interest. ufo with aliens in it it was a ufo probably with ruskies <laughs> it. it was the ruskies like saying soloskis so oh. ufo sightings were on the rise in the mid-70s in 1975 in particular it was an active year for ufos and researchers call this a flap which I don't know what flap means. Fuck loads of assholic phenomenon. I should, I'd like to know what a flap means. It's a period of high activity or sightings in an area, mm. but it sounds like it's really funny. A UFO <laughs> flap. I like to flap all the time. <laughs> it's a hobby of mine. As we already touched on, Arizona is particularly active for UFO event related events. Right. Here's a couple events that I wanted to make note of. June 15th, 1947. Okay. Okay. That year, 1947. Big year. There was an event similar to Roswell that happened shortly before the crash in New Mexico. Hmm. Before New Mexico. This was July of 15th, 1947. Oh, shit. It happened beforehand. 1952, Marana uh, Air Force Base in Tucson. A silvery disc hovered above the base, and when they scrambled jets to get to it, it disappeared Hmm. right before their eyes. And that's coming from military sources mm-hmm. and stuff. That's a yeah, very interesting little, little. Well, it's military sources, but it was unofficially announced because okay. they were just they're military people, but they work there mm. and they talk to their families about it. Ooh. Right. So the American Southwest is home to many military installations. Many have asked why there's so many sightings in that area. Taxpayer dollars. It is thought that if there were extraterrestrial species coming to check us out, that's where they would begin. Also, all the cool planes that we can't, exp- you know, explain. <laughs> I mean, right. it really was a lot of the stealth mm-hmm. bombers and, you know, the SR-71 mm-hmm. Blackbird and stuff. The, a lot of the sightings, they're like, it's way too high to be a plane. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a spy plane. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's a big triangle thing. You're not even supposed to hear it, really, but you heard it. You fucking... Yeah, well, they got to work on that. Yeah. So when the sun rose over Snowflake, Arizona, a massive manhunt for Travis began. Helicopters, canines, large search parties covering large swaths of the area in which he disappeared. Travis's older brother, Don, who was a Forest Service employee, was also part of the search party. Okay, this, I need to make a side note here. This town was small. The population at the time was just over 5,600 people. Hmm. So it's fairly small. Yeah. There's that many people currently in a Walmart in Phoenix. So there were between 150 to 200 people searching for Travis at the time. The longer they took, however, the more suspicious they all became. Law enforcement was becoming more confident that something untoward had happened within the crew that day, and there was an altercation and that Travis was killed. Something very terrestrial happened. The Walton family was beginning to question Mike, expecting more answers than he was giving or had to give. The crew members were brought along on the search as well, accompanied by deputies who continually pressed them to give up the body. Just let us know where he is so we can get this over with. It was at this time the crew of men realized that they're suspected of murder. Mm -hmm. 
They, so oh shit, guys! Let the stress begin. Oh, you don't believe aliens came trillions oh, of light years no. to abduct our friend? We surely don't. I thought for sure you would believe us. Nope. At this time, regional headquarters in Albuquerque had sent out an investigator at the request of the sheriff's office. Send in a nerd, and he brought a Geiger counter. Hey, I brought nerd things. Oh, Don Walton, which was uh, Travis's older brother, was with the group that included this investigator, and he claims to have seen the Geiger counter spike at the alleged abduction site indicated an extremely high radiation level. Hmm. So he, this is a person saying that they this thought... Is, this is the big brother right, of But there's Travis. no documents. No, nope. and he even stated in an interview that I listened to uh, him, he even stated he's the only person alive today that got to see that. Everyone else has passed. Okay. So well, we have to kind of we can we know that information. Mm-hmm. And it's like all right, dude. Yep, and that's sorry, all we, we got. Yeah, yeah. There's no record of it. Mm-hmm. Thanks for fuck all. So, we might want that to be true. November seventh, nineteen seventy-five. This is day two of Travis missing. Mm-hmm. The media descends upon Snowflake, Arizona, this tiny little town. The story has made it all the way around the world. The media wasn't the only group to rush to Snowflake, however. Will Smith came. Mysterious out-of-towners, quote-unquote, also arrived. Here come Mm -hmm. the men in black. In an, <laughs> in an interview, Mike Rogers states you can always tell a government vehicle. Keep my wife's name out of your mouth. Out of your <laughs> the mouth color was always, he says, the color of the, the government vehicles was always bland. And the rims were the same color as the car. Here come the G-men. The government officials would always be dressed in suits and always be wearing sunglasses. To hide their deep lust to kill you for their government. Sorry about that. These were the out-of-towners that showed up. It was suspected by the town members that the government was showing an interest in this event. They wanted to see if they could tax it somehow. November 8th, 1975. They're coming to save us with their powers of taxation. Day three of Travis missing. I apologize. The crew is now beginning to feel the crushing suspicion of law enforcement in the entire town's population. Even though they hadn't found a body, the sheriff's office is investigating the case as a homicide. The police have set their suspicions on Alan Dallas. Hmm. Evident... <laughs> That's crazy. They like they picked him out. They're like this guy for sure. Probably well, did. yeah, and there there's a reason why. I'm I, sure I it's... think it was it was a very thin reason, but it was okay. a reason. So evidently, Travis and Alan had gotten into a fight in the past. So all, I also couldn't really find out what that fight was about, but they had gotten into a, a fight. And Alan was known to be kind of a scrappy guy, okay. kind of a short temper, kind of a loose cannon. Uh, so and Alan wasn't very friendly with Mike and Travis, anyways. Hmm. So that was kind of interesting. The police began to question the remaining crew members under the assumption that Travis was dead. Law enforcement requested that all crew members submit to a polygraph examination. And of course, Mike Rogers, he's the foreman and kind of like the decision maker. Anyways, he jumped at the chance to clear everyone's names and he said, fuck yeah, let's Hmm. do it. So November 10th, 1975, this is day five. Travis has been missing for five days. The crew heads to the Navajo County Courthouse to take their polygraph tests. Now with fresh poop in their pants. The crew is scared as the pressure mounts. They realize that the jail and the courthouse are in the same building. (laughs) And when I'm listening to these interviews, they really are taking that into consideration. You know, they're like, oh, fuck. All the crew members assume that they would not be leaving the courthouse that day. (laughs) They assume that they would somehow fail this test and would be arrested. So they were all very uncomfortable. And their fears were well-founded because they find later in life that those kind of tests are yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. pseudoscience-y. So the testing... still used all the time. I the, know that. the testing took all day long and went into the evening. 
The polygraph test took about two hours for each man, and there were six guys. They were asked a series of questions three times each. So they went through the same question pattern three times in a row. Okay. okay. Just to be sure. Just to, Well, and they were just kind of judging their, you know, their answers and however the polygraph works. Or doesn't work. The first questions were about the alleged whereabouts of Travis and what is expected to have happened that day. And the last question is about their UFO experience. Did the aliens probe y'all's buttholes? I'm fucking sorry. All six men passed the polygraph test, except for Alan Dallas. He's, who the, is, he's got the temper, though. Well, he's. it was deemed inconclusive. So the But he passed the first three run-throughs. Mm-hmm. He passed the first two. But on the third pass, he became disconnected from the machine, triggering an inconclusive score. So because one was triggered inconclusive they all had to be considered inconclusive which i found kind of interesting Mm -hmm. anyway so the entire town is stunned to hear the news of the crew's test results because they thought that they were just full of shit and lying for whatever reason so walton was missing for five days and six hours on the fifth day travis's brother-in-law received a late night phone call 10 p.m ish from someone claiming to be walton the family members jump in the truck and head out to pick him up. Dude, come pick me up. You are not going to believe the fucking weekend I had. No way. And please bring snacks. He is found in a phone booth at a Heber gas station, alive, dehydrated, and incoherent. <laughs> Travis's words about what led up to the phone call. So this is a direct quote from him. I found myself lying on the roadway. I looked up and saw the craft hovering above me for just a second. The craft shot straight up in a split second and disappeared. That's the last I'd seen of it. Wandering down the road for what felt like hours, Travis finally sees light that he recognizes as the town of Heber. He rushed into the town and found a payphone. On his way back home, he struggled with the reality of his experience. On his, He's in the truck with his family. They came in and retrieved him. Right. The biggest shock for him was to discover the brief amount of time for his absence was actually five days and his crew is now suspected of murder. The operator who dispatched the phone call from the payphone to Travis's sister's house listened in on the phone call. Now, this is in the 70s. This is when we still had operators who actually sat at a board with these plugs and would connect phone calls. So they could listen to... They were standing by. Yeah, well, yeah. they were, and they were listening to all kinds of stuff. Right, yeah, they sure were. She recognized the name of the con, uh, the collect caller. He called collect because evidently they also picked his pockets because he didn't have any money in his pockets. As an alien <laughs> would. They're like, you know, let's collect, we collect change. And uh, so she listened they have in. a high overhead. She listened in and she knew this was going to be big news because she recognized the guy's name. So she immediately called the sheriff's office and told them what had happened. However, Travis's family made kind of a blunder when they decided not to inform the sheriff's office right away that Travis had been found. They thought he was too emotionally traumatized to talk to the police at that time. should probably let somebody know to call off the helicopters. His story was way too over the top and fantastical. So they kind of wanted, for whatever reason, they wanted to not tell the police, even though they've been searching for five days. It makes you want to... It makes you think he's, they're coaching him 
or you know, I, do, I don't know. I don't know tell them what a story is. Hide well, the body. it's irresponsible yeah, it in is. my opinion to not let the police department know that the person they've been searching for for five days has been found. Right. That should be the first phone call. You well, make. the whole community is looking mm-hmm. for them at this point. Yeah. That's what's called a dick move, bro. So Travis is found. The police close their suspected murder case, but the media isn't done yet. Are they ever done? For the first few days after Travis's return, Dwayne acts as a mediator for Travis in all communications, especially the media. So Dwayne is Travis's little brother. There's okay. another brother that's involved. Before long, the news makes it around the world. <laughs> Dwayne is determined to protect Travis, who's in an extremely fragile emotional state at this time. So he ends up, he's doing all the communication stuff, and he reaches out to the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, or APRO, a Tucson-based UFO investigative group. APRO is determined to maintain a scientific approach to their research, so they have always brought in medical doctors and other scientists that were respected in their fields and consulted with them whenever they investigated a case. So it's kind of interesting. And they actually have documents online. You can look through their investigative documents. APRO agrees to have Travis examined by doctors. Dwayne sneaks Travis out of Snowflake in the middle of the night. APRO arranged Travis to stay in a hotel in Phoenix under an assumed name because they're trying to keep this under wraps. Everything is moving forward in secret. They want no intrusion or information leaks. They're trying to keep this as scientific as possible, really. We'll be the judge of that. I mean, scientists, not me and you, but scientists. They want the quiet of anonymity, so... It's also kind of like dent, dent, dent. I know, dent, but dent I for know. this family that, it, that's not that way. Right. So that's a little, there's red flags going up though. I here know. And there. I know. So they asked Travis to recount his experience of November 5th, starting when he got out of the truck. Travis Walton's experience. He talks about the sounds and the rumble in the air. He assumed for some reason that the craft would disappear before he got a good look at it, so he was in a rush to get a closer look. Which is similar to what I recommend people do when they see a bear or a timber wolf. Or a moose. Yeah, or a moose. He moves forward to the hovering object and the sounds get louder, the lights get brighter. The way he described it was interesting. The ground and air was vibrating like a heartbeat. And it reminded me, when he was explaining it, it reminded me of, we have loud thumping stereo vehicles that drive by our house every once in a while (laughs) and you can feel them before you hear them Mm -hmm. and uh one of these days it's going to break a window but anyways (laughs) that's what it reminded me of when he was explaining that as long as they stay off my lawn so then the craft began to move and he was startled so he jumped for cover when he rose up again he felt a stunning force quote unquote the next thing he remembers is waking up on the side of the road that's all he's got. Mm. To make sense there's of... there's so much more to the story. Right. So to make sense of the last five days he was missing and find out what had happened, he agreed to undergo a controversial technique called regressive hypnosis. Right. This is where I fall away. Yeah. yeah. Prior to his hypnosis, the doctors perform a battery of tests. Blood and urine samples were taken and submitted to the county medical examiner's drug screen. They did this on purpose because it was, well, it was extremely good at detecting drugs and alcohol, but it was the county medical examiner. So they weren't on either side. They didn't know what really what was going on. And they were, they were testing for their own workers, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really going to dig. That's the rumor. But nothing was found. They found no alcohol, no drugs. Maybe a little crack. Okay. It had been five days. Let's. 
you know, take that into consideration too. Yeah. But they still found nothing in his system. Except for all the crack. Just kidding. So November 14th, 1975, four days after his return, Travis meets with Dr. James Harder, a doctor with APRO to undergo this regressive hypnosis. I picture this doctor with a bowler hat and a monocle. Go ahead. It is Sorry. in his hotel room surrounded by family that he begins to remember his terrifying experience. He also has a very twirlable mustache in my head. Go ahead. Sorry. He couldn't remember anything past his own fear. So the doctor was trying to uh, get him past that. Every time he tried to remember, the fear would make it so that he was basically, all, that's all he remembered is just being fucking scared. Right. The doctor takes him back to the point of entering the ship and all the way through five days of quote unquote terror. Hmm. Here's the interview. Okay. Travis Walton's interview. Now I'm going to tell this interview in first person most of the time because uh, this is this is actually Travis's words. Okay. So the doctor... And I'm going to play Dr. Schmoggy. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about your butthole. So the doctor... Travis. The doctor, all he says in this is, tell me what you see. Okay? Tell me what you see, Travis. Travis, I was laying on my back. I came too slowly oh, and I Travis. thought I was in the hospital at first. There was a bright light above me and I looked around at the small space around me. There was something heavy on my chest and it was also emitting light. Yeah, sorry about that. I looked around again and saw that what I thought for a split second were doctors in surgical masks. I mean, kind of, yeah. But then realized they weren't human. Fuck. They Real were quick. Anything other than you wake up in a thing that you think is a hospital <laughs> and you see people that you think are doctors. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, that's not what this is. There's zero Fear. things that are okay after Fear. that. Fear. Yep, Just exactly. Throwing that out there. He said they were they were about five feet tall, had white skin, small features except for large eyes. I'm feeling pain and suffocation, and the beings don't seem to feel any emotion at my condition. They actually seemed threatening. Hey, don't be afraid, little earth ape. I'm just hurting you a little bit, just a little bit. I freaked out and jumped off the table. When I did, the device on my chest fell off. I grabbed a rod type thing and started swinging. I was so scared. I wish you would have brought that rod <laughs> home with you so we could see the rod. For us to do much with your story, we need the fucking rod! To my surprise, the beings just turned around and left. They're like, eh, fuck, whatever. Mm -hmm. they, the, just, they just left me alone. The dirt monkey from Earth is doing the dirt <laughs> monkey stuff again. They just do... That's all they do. At least he's not throwing his poop at us like they used to. And, and in all the hubbub, they didn't forget to take the rod. I started looking for a way out. The whole craft was lit dimly and the air was insufficient. I was struggling to breathe. I came across another room and it appeared to be empty except for a single chair. I noticed the light in the room shift. There was a hologram or a viewing of a star map. You couldn't see the image or points of light until I got really close to the chair. On the arm of the chair was a screen and what appeared to be buttons, or at least I assume they were buttons. Kind of Halifax would push all the buttons. I thought maybe they would open a door, so I started pushing them and nothing happened. Oh, that's a good idea. Just start pushing random yeah, buttons. Yeah, exactly. I know I have to get out of there, so I start to look for another way or a door. That's when I realize I'm not alone in this room. Hey, it's Dr. Smokey here to talk about Dr. Smokey's beard and ball hair oil for humans. It looks like a human blocking my way. Dun, dun, dun. I immediately assumed it was Air Force or NASA or something, and they were there to intervene and take me away from the creatures. Ah, oh, but fuck. This was a very human-looking person, but in a suit and helmet. You could pass them in a crowd and never really notice. See, it, wait, real quick. He's thinking about NASA and the, the military and shit. Mm-hmm. 
in this situation. Mm -hmm. So he's a person that has some sort of history thinking about UFOs and shit. Mm, he must, yeah. Because that's, it, mm -hmm. I mean, it, for the story. Unless, right. of course, this happened. But you know what I mean. It's like right. right well, right. if you're if if you're assuming you're on a spaceship, the only people who are going to save you are NASA. Well, I would assume there could be Superman. Here come the men in be, black. There could be the Avengers. Galaxy defenders. They're not going to help you. They're going to flashy thing you and tax you and make fun of you with the dog that talks. Alrighty, so you could pass this person in the crowd and really never notice. They looked very human. They were bigger and taller than me. More muscular very large rather dashing great calf muscles i went up to talk to this guy and started asking him questions and he wouldn't answer me when i started getting upset and yelling louder he just remained unresponsive so the being took me by the arm and led me down the hallway to another room as we approached the door it opened all by itself and then we went inside oh the government wastes so much money they at the very least better have kick-ass fucking doors in their little secret bases sorry go ahead it appeared to be an airlock or a booth type thing of some kind. All of a sudden, the air changed. The light was brighter and I could breathe better. I was then led through what appeared to be an aircraft carrier. As if what? I, yeah, as if I left one smaller craft and came out into a larger one. We crossed the large space and entered another hallway, and he led me to a room with other beings that looked like him. Hey, surprising. These two beings were not wearing helmets. This is my face, Cloaca. And I got a good look at their faces. I'm sexy. Tall, human-like features and Scandinavian in appearance. They looked kind of Nordic. So humans, space yep. honkians. Yep. I then noticed the exam table in the center of the room. Nightmares. The being was pushing me towards the table nope, nope, nope. and I'm getting more and more alarmed nope, because nope. they aren't answering my questions and they are forcing me to move forward. Nope, nope. I begin to fight with all my might. It'll be fine. I thought I was pretty strong back then but even though I was using every bit of my strength, they overpowered me very easily. They got me down on the table. They put what seemed to be an oxygen mask on my face and that's the last thing I remember. This happens I to Angus. Out. This happens to Angus every weekend. <laughs> so that, I mean, let's hear something new, man. Come I on. blacked out. My next memory was me waking up outside, cold with no air, pants on. Cold air coming into my clothes because there's no pants on them. All right, good. Sorry. And that basically <laughs> his story. So, in addition to the Fire in the Sky movie, the Walton Legacy, what they call the Walton Legacy, mm -hmm. now includes an autobiographical 1978 paperback. Plus Walmart stores. A and novelty Sam's 45 RPM record by an Albuquerque folk singer. <laughs> and most recently, a saucer people trading card on which a trio of stereotypical UFO flight attendants subjects Walton to a nightmare exam. What the fuck? Yeah, okay. I know. Isn't that weird? This that's begins weird. the era of gray aliens being obsessed with human butthole. For decades, I can't get enough human butthole. Not surprisingly, Walton's fantastic tale was not without his detractors. Right. I'm one of those. In fact, when Walton's crew members reported his disappearance to the local law enforcement, officers originally suspected the UFO story was simply a bizarre cover-up for Walton's possible murder. But then he went and fucking lived. But few critics were as vocal as Philip Class. Walton's most severe doubting Thomas. Then senior editor of Aviation Week, Class investigated the case more thoroughly than any other debunker, 
discrediting the alleged abduction at length in his 1983 book, UFOs, The Public Deceived. I bet that book doesn't have enough Illuminati New World Order. Among Class's more interesting revelations was the fact that some members of Walton's family were reportedly obsessed with UFOs. Oh. Yeah. And had frequently talked about being abducted prior to Travis's experience. Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Big time. Mm-hmm. In fact, Travis would later admit to watching a made-for-TV movie about another UFO kidnapping less than three weeks before he himself disappeared. Weird. So as bizarre as the case was, Philip Class even provided a possible motive okay. for this story. This is that story that... Yeah. yeah. According to the investigator, Walton's 27-year-old boss, Mike Rogers, right. was seriously behind schedule on his logging contract and may have hoped to use the UFO hoopla as a loophole to get out of his obligation. Travis states that they had actually completed 80% of the contract and they were actually nearing complete completion. They were the the completion date. He says, we wanted to get it completed before the snow began to fall, so we were pushing. And if you think about it, it was early November. But everybody that's fucking off and they are behind, that's what they say anyway. We know this. Everyone knows this. The skeptics jumped on the idea as if it were going to discredit the story. Yeah. But getting out of the contract was in no way to Mike's advantage. Oh, foiled again. There was a lot of money that was actually held back, Mm -hmm. and we had already almost completed most of it. Right, but your reputation's everything. If your reputation is that you didn't get it all done... Maybe he was feeling the pit. Who knows? Maybe. I but don't know. shit mean, about shit. You're, you're logging for money. You're not logging for fun. I love logging! Right. So if, there, if, there, if there's, a, hol- if there's a hold back business. on money until you know you only get a certain portion of it up front or maybe in the middle and then the rest of it is paid out at the end of the contract once it's fulfilled. Oh, yeah. Why would you want it out of that contract? You would not. Right. Well, right. I wouldn't. Oh, but that UFO money. But after the incident, no one would go back there to finish. So the contract was defunct. The crew refused. And as a result, another crew did come in and finish it to Mike's financial disadvantage. So he didn't get the money either. As a result... Did he get any money out of the movie? I... <laughs> no, I don't... You know what? I don't think anybody... I don't think even Travis got money out of the movie. What? Mm-mm. No, his was a book thing. Well, that's not... Well, okay, that makes sense. Right. And the lesson here is get a good agent. So basically, reached out for comment. The former logging boss, Mike Rogers, dismisses Class's story as complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. It could very well be. Or it could be my alternative hypothesis, which we'll share in the end here. I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. <laughs> so Class is quoted here as saying, if the incident was not a hoax, then the UFO had be- behaved as if it were following a script prepared by Mike Rogers and Travis Walton. They pulled off some Spielberg shit. Hmm. <laughs> There seems to be too long a string of remarkable coincidences for a UFO abduction to be true. Oh, but my book deal. The National Enquirer apparently disagreed. Oh, well, shit. The tabloid, which not so coincidentally had funded the series of polygraphs tests that proved the loggers' story. Right, so that's already Mm -hmm. suspect as fuck. Subsequently deemed Walton's experience the most authentic UFO story of the year and rewarded him a $5,000 prize for his astounding yarn. You do not want them to be the ones that champion your truthful, your truthiness. And winning this year's Pulitzer Prize for truthiness for their groundbreaking work on Batboy. It's the National Enquirer. Although some residents of Snowflake and surrounding towns had a hard time swallowing Walton's story 17 years ago, today many of those skeptics are having a harder time believing anyone, let alone Hollywood, is still interested in Snowflake's dubious claim to fame. 
because the real snowflake didn't match up with the director's image of the town. The film was shot in Oregon. Fuck them snowflakes. Sorry. So they're talking about the movie here. Right. Right. They're like, get out of here. Yeah. So. Go on, get. So here's a little bit of evidence. Now, from this story, I'm going to cover, there was little bits of evidence, but I pulled two that seemed to be pretty interesting to me. I found interest in it. So, okay. So on the other side of this little thing, it's some evidence. Yeah. Is this evidence? In 2014, UFO researcher and documentarian Ben Hansen, he met with Travis Walton at the site of the alleged abduction to examine any remaining evidence of his encounter. And possibly fight aliens. They went to the site and gridded the area as if it were a crime scene. Head on a swivel. Now, this wasn't just the two of them. This was a group. I would say fighting aliens is a team effort. Of scientists. Better get more than nerds on your team. So they looked through the topsoil. They tested rocks. They came across tree stumps that were cut after the incident. Mm. So remember, this is a logging area. Mm -hmm. Somebody had come through and logged it. I wonder if they had to fight the aliens. You can, of course, see the growth rings, but on closer inspection, they found something very intriguing. Little gray aliens ready to go ham. Tree rings are a sign of growth, each ring signifying a year. The strange thing about these trees was that around the time of the incident and shortly after, the rings were much further spaced out from each other on only one side and that's of the the tree itself and that was a side that was facing the abduction area <laughs> so they were normal on one side of the ring showing, they probed the trees too how yeah, dare they and they had abnormal growth on one side of the tree probably where their little tree buttholes are dumb so a, guys. as they look around at all the trees surrounding the siding location all of the trees showed the same growth pattern in the area only facing the site. So it was in a complete perimeter all the way around. Oh, boy. That was kind of interesting. Ben wondered if this could be caused by the radiation from the craft, as evidenced by the Geiger counter during the search for Travis in 1975. So Ben did a bit of research and found a few studies that happened after Chernobyl. The study found that the trees in Chernobyl grew at an exponentially high rate after the radiation incident. I didn't know that. They then took soil samples and submitted them to an independent lab in Ohio to be tested against a control group. Well, that sounds sciencey. Now, the control group were taken from... Normal dirt. Yeah, but it was outside of the site, so it wasn't that far. Okay. So it was the same dirt. It was just outside of the actual site itself. Science. The findings seemed to blow everyone away. Because they still ended up having to fight the aliens somehow, right? There was a higher concentration of iron and other ferrous materials compared to the soil samples, which were the control samples. So what you're saying is my hope that someone is going to fight the aliens is unfounded and not going to happen. So here's the thing. Fight. They found the same chemical makeup in soils from around the world. No fight. Taken at other UFO encounters. They think that maybe the magnetic nature of the encounter actually pulls the iron and ferrous materials up through the soil. I wonder why. Um, and or brings them to the surface because of the magnetic. It's iron. Iron is very magnetic. Sure. So I get they're that. thinking that those minerals are pulled to the surface during these events. Sure. That would be a really inconvenient spaceship where it's like, hey, we're going to land again. It's like, <laughs> well, I hope none of the fucking planets that we land on are made of any fucking metals at all. Because we'll be driving away with metals connected to, you know. Well, because of all of this research, ufologists agree. That you should come hear their talk at the Motel 6, conference room B, 1130, by the freeway accident. That Sorry. the Travis Walton case is perhaps the best evidence eh. of alien visitation to date. Well, god dang it. It's yeah. a pretty fucking interesting story. So now it's time to check into our Dipshit Files UFO scale. Dipshit Files UFOmeter. 
Alright, so the dipshit meter this time through is really, there's no dipshits. Mm. Uh, I mean, maybe the hoaxers are dipshits, or maybe mm -hmm. the aliens are dipshits for probing people <laughs> up their butts. Government. But really, we're the dipshits, Monique and I, sorry, honey, mm. uh, because we're the ones looking into this. But right. the UFO scale, very different from the serial killer scales. Yeah. We just did five simple categories. We did zero to five, zero being low, five being high, and here it is. Witnesses and the quantity of witnesses. That's right. the first one. So two or three witnesses would equal a one, and 15, 20 would be you know, somewhere in like a four, and 50 plus would be a five, somewhere right. in that. Right. So like the Phoenix Lights were hundreds and hundreds of people, if that not was thousands. A five. That's a yeah. five. So the next one would be the credibility of the witnesses. Mm -hmm. And we're not trying to be dicks here and be like, just because you aren't trained by the military or police or whatever, you're a three. You're right in the middle of the road. <laughs> if you're just a civilian, you get a three, even if you're a drunk asshole, even right. if you're... You know, a, a teacher at the school, maybe you get a three and a half. Mm -hmm. I don't know, that kind of thing. You should get a three and a half or a four if you're a teacher at a school compared to the drunk guy. But if you're, well. drunk, if you're a drunk teacher, <laughs> see, this is why we give everyone a three. <laughs> unless you're in the military, unless you're trained, paid paid to, to notice things. So credibility of witnesses, a five would be if an astrophysicist looked at the sky and said, mm -hmm. well, that's fucking nothing that we know. Right. Then it's like, okay, well, shit. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson's like skeptical. He's wondering what's going on. All right, the next one is physical evidence. And almost none of these have any physical evidence at all. Right. Almost zero, basically zero of these have evidence. Mm -hmm. We have videotape evidence, which is after this. But physical evidence would be even anything. Mm -hmm. One would be maybe something like what you're finding with the radiation and stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe a little higher, that kind of thing. Then the next one is video and photo evidence. And you know, with the Phoenix lights again, we have a ton. Mm -hmm. But is it good video? As it's at night, it's just of lights. Well, it's the best video footage they could have gotten at the time. They had yeah. shoulder-held video cameras. Remember '97? Sure. I do. They were VHS video cameras. Yeah, I was using that shit. It's very <laughs> difficult to do anything with it. Right. Yeah, VHS tapes. And so, photo evidence is obviously less less good than video evidence almost all the time mm -hmm. uh, but you know the way video evidence is nowadays because I can fuck around with you know a couple programs and I can make some pretty interesting things so blah 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 video evidence is hard to take right but zero to five and then the last one is whether or not it can be explained away easily by natural things mm -hmm. or by other expertise right so as you said earlier, 95% of these are explained away by natural things, even anomalies that mm -hmm. are that could be natural, all that, that stuff. It's that 5% or even 1% of that 5% where it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. And so if it can be explained away easily, then it's a zero. But if it can't be explained away easily, then it becomes a five and it becomes worth investigating. And mm -hmm. most of them are going to land somewhere in the lower portion of that. All right, this is the dipshit meter UFO scale. Quantity of witnesses. All right, first thing up, the quantity of witnesses. How many witnesses were there? There were, well, there were seven, seven including the one that was abducted. Right. But six that were just watching. Okay, so from a technical standpoint, mm -hmm. we can give that a three on our little scale. Right. We give that a three. That's not too bad. That's middle of the road. Right. Witness credibility. Now, credibility of witnesses. So the people that saw this, they're just normal folk. Yeah. So they're just a three. Yeah. I well, mean, they're just any normal working guys. people, yeah. wasn't any police mm -mm. officers, no astrophysicists. Nope. Okay. Physical evidence. As far as physical evidence, mm -hmm. we're going to give them the fact that there was some radioactive kind of stuff going on 
you know, that's, I bet there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, well, the, all the mountains are radioactive. <laughs> right. Well, things happen and, you know, yeah, there is coincidence. Ra- radiation that comes from the earth itself. Of course. That's just kind of a high amount of radiation in that one spot. In the, in the exact spot that they claimed yep. weird shit happened yeah. that felt magnetic. Yeah. Plus the evidence didn't come out until 2014. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, so there's still some room for investigation in mm-hmm. there perhaps. Yeah. Okay, now let's look at the video photo evidence. Video and or photo evidence. There is none. There is none. <laughs> there is none. Like so many of these. In fact, zero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was zero. 1975. They didn't have cell phones. No, they were not ready for that. No, and they were logging, so they weren't carrying cameras. They sure weren't. Nope. They should have. Well, they weren't. Maybe next time, guys. <laughs> All right, now let's check out how explainable is it. Could this be some other shit? It is. We give it a 2.75. Because it, there's some unexplainable things in there. There's yeah. my alternative theory, which I think is really good, but we'll. Well, get you to that keep in a second. bringing it up. Well, that's the end here, baby. Okay. Well, actually, okay. So we gave it a 2.75 because there are some things that are easily explainable. Mm-hmm. And I think my theory explains it all perfectly. Mm-hmm. I can falsify it perfectly. Uh, but we gave it a 1.95 overall. Yeah. So it's basically a 2. Yeah. Which is below what an average would be, mm-hmm. I guess, but not really, because most of these are all very low. <laughs> uh, for example, the Phoenix Lights is a 3.6, because mm-hmm. a shitload of people saw it, and you know, it, some of it's not actually explainable easily. The military, right. their explanation falls pretty short, right. at least for a lot of Unless people. Unless they divulge some you know, classified right. information. What do we know? We're fucking civilians, right. and we're not supposed to know this shit. We're, we're just peons. Right. But other things like the Aurora, Texas, for those of you guys that have, have listened to the David Angus show and mm-hmm. stuff, we talked about the 1897 Aurora, Texas, that had a little bit of physical evidence, mm-hmm. a little bit more than the normal, ended up with a 2.7, and then the very famous Roswell had a 2.4. Mm-hmm. So to give you some kind of idea, fire in the sky, Mr. Walton was a 1.95. So right. the lowest of all those, mm-hmm. but still fantastically interesting. Very interesting story. Fantastically interesting. That's yeah. a weird way to put that. But... <laughs> So a 1.95 overall. Mm-hmm. Right. So my alternative theory to this. Okay. I can't and wait. I, and I think this could be for all. I'm sitting It's going to be very stupid. Th- I, I built it up for no reason. <laughs> it's really simple. Script is dumb as fuck alternative theory. No, here's what I think. Uh, there's a lot of potential evidence for this. Mm-hmm. And it's more practical than somebody coming from billions of light years away in my mind. Mm. So the CIA and or NSA and or oh, whatever, no. fill in whatever alphabet agency you want. Uh-huh. They have a kind of a track record of being cunts to their own people. Okay. Mainly because other countries are that way and they're like, well, we got to compete with Russia. They're being cunts to their people. What if they learn about something by dissecting people's brains? Mm. Let's dissect people's brains, our people. And so they do. Okay. Now, they've done perhaps, if you get into MK Ultra and all that stuff, and you know how most mm-hmm. of that is a lot of hibbity-jibbity, but there's a lot of interesting stuff there, too. Yeah, proceed with the dumb. They were, they're willing to do some shit. Are you talking about the brown note? Nice. No, I'm not talking about the brown <laughs> note. Although that could fit into my conspiracy later in the overall conspiracy. But no, I just look at it like this. So people are seeing a light in the sky. Right. Okay, light in the sky can be simulated pretty easily. Now, I don't know how what the noises were they heard, and I don't know all of the different noises that different helicopters make, or a fucking Harrier jet. I don't mm-hmm. know any of these things. Or what they may have had, you know, 10 miles down the road at the military base that they had. But let's say they had a fucking, just a normal helicopter. Now, if you're out in the fucking woods, and it's dark, mm-hmm. and they have a spotlight or two, especially something military grade, which means it breaks all the time, but military grade as far as bright as fuck as well, uh, that might trip you out a little bit. You might be a little discombobulated. Okay. Now, let's say they have some way to you either pass out, shit your pants like a normal <laughs> person would, like, you know, a normal person would. 
or you know they they dart you or some shit. They they knock you out, right? They just jump out of the plane. Three darts is too <laughs> exactly. much. <laughs> exactly. Or they pull a Marlon Perkins and the Marlboro Man from the fucking oh. Mutual of Omenha. Mm-hmm. Omen Claw. Omen Claw. Omen. Oh, Omen mm-hmm. Fucking days. And they just jump out of the helicopter and tackle a moose. Yeah. But they do it to a person and then they sedate them. Right. But somehow they sedate the person. Okay. Okay. And in the case of what these people witnessed, they saw him fall back. Right, they he got hit F- by the bomb. Like the fifteen, they're saying you know one person said fifteen feet, another person said twenty feet. So I'm saying beanbag rounds hit and then flew. Beanbag rounds. Are you from a chopper, bro? A sixty cal. But it didn't go through his chest cavity. No, it was fine. It was it was a water balloon bag. Fifteen feet. But it didn't. Fifteen feet. Fucking a, bro. Through the air. That's good. That's good stuff. But it didn't kill him. Sure, sounds good to me. Uh, totally legit. You're, th- <laughs> you're screwing up my story here. So what happens is they get the guy. He wakes up in a room. Okay. That room can. I mean, after have he's you been seen a, darted, darted and or being and, and or Marlon Perkins. And he's got a tag in his ear now. Right. Yeah, okay. He's tagged. <laughs> he's got a number tattooed on his butt. <laughs> Very, Inside his lip. Yep, they're usually pretty mm-hmm. good about that stuff. It's for science. And it's probably not silent. There's probably some Bjork playing or something. But they wake. you can wake up in any room, and it can be any way they want you to wake up. If they want you to wake up in the fucking Double Dare slime room for the, the, challenge, the physical challenge, and you're like, holy shit, I'm covered in slime, they will do that. And you'll be like, well, this is an odd way to wake up. I've not woken up in slime before. Mm. And so you're like, wow, this is different than normal. And everything that happens from that point on uh-huh. is under the control of like, I'm freaked out. I think I've been drugged, possibly Marlon's, per- Marlon Perkins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know what to do. You've been impeded. And so if somebody's wearing a fucking mask and they walk up and they're like, hey, I'm a fucking gray alien. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay. <laughs> I woke up in slime and was in, uh-huh. yeah, no, I, I get helicopter. what you're saying. My, my question is why this man who's a logger he's 22 years Why not? old they gotta pick somebody if you're gonna have a military base and they're gonna do things if they're gonna they're gonna have to pick they're just somebody gonna randomly choose someone well why not some loggers i mean the government says hey these people don't have any power let's fuck with them and then they fuck with them i've been fucked with goddamn right and how vote for me <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking that that they they find people that don't have any power right and they, they target those people. Okay, I get it. I that, get that's it. That's easy. So you send a helicopter, you sedate somebody, you put them in a room, you fuck with them and pretend mm-hmm. that they're in an alien experience. And you're just giving them drugs the whole time. And for whatever reason, because the MK Ultra shit, I mean, they were testing, you know, you look at men that stare at goats and all these different mm-hmm. theories and mm-hmm. all the different books that are out there about people that claim to be from military secret dark projects and all this stuff. They spend a lot of dumb money on a lot of dumb things. Right. You know, so would they want to just know what happens to a person's mind through, you know, a process of simulating an alien abduction to see what it's like to fuck with somebody and see what the public does and see how well their secrets are as a military base right next door. I don't know. It just seems. (laughs) That's my theory. It's not terribly stupid, but it's pretty stupid. It's not terribly stupid, but I think it is a, uh, elaborate. <laughs> it's a little. It's going a little far. Plus, but I could I, do it if I, I had a helicopter like, and some sedation materials. I would like to throw out there. Dark gun. We're just talking room. about Travis Walton's experience, right? With your theory. But this could be any, any. Oh, that's great. How do you explain the story from the six other men? They just all they saw was a light in the sky. No, they saw a craft. Right, but then you know you could put some. And they saw you get their some cardboard. Buddy, you they're get the some one spackle. That, 
Okay, how do they get them to stick, fans. stick to their story? The one thing that the men in black can do better than anything is threaten people. Be oh. like, here's what you're going to say, motherfucker. So or do I'm you think fucking kick your ass. So do you think that that That's what the CIA is, does that the best. theory is pretty credible then. <laughs> my theory is yeah. the best. I mean, here's here's the thing about <laughs> Here's the thing about my theory, all right? It is uh it's airtight. <laughs> it's been thought out very well through all the YouTube research. <laughs> it can be corroborated through Marvel Men in Black series 1 <laughs> through 17. And, you know, I also think it's true with the deepness of my heart. <laughs> and that makes it also correct. Also, I oh. talked to some wisdom bags, and they told me it was true. <laughs> and so I'm, like, pretty much a five-point plan. I okay. got it all together. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, that's my idea. All right. Should we get to our conclusion and let yes. these nice people get on with their week? Absolutely. All right. Here on the other side of this is our little conclusion. Dipshit fires conclusions. So what do you think? I... I don't believe him. I want to, mm. but I don't really believe him. I don't know what to think. There's a lot of interesting shit. It's There's, by far one of the more interesting ones. It, it is. Um, I don't want to just dismiss things just to be a skeptic cunt that everyone hates <laughs> and that no one likes and everybody wants to push into the fucking street every time they see me because I don't... Sorry. I, uh, I didn't mean to yell. That's okay. <laughs> I find as I give this some thought, I find myself in the yeah but area in my brain okay. where I'll come up with a, a solution or a scenario and um, my brain says yeah but what about this how does this fit in take this into consideration and I find myself kind of thinking in circles about this there's a lot of stuff that I'm skeptical about mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, things that throw doubt in there mm -hmm. but then there are other things it's like well how do you keep a story straight between six people that Very are being point. interrogated for fucking murder that right. they didn't commit. That is probably pretty rare, huh? You know what I mean? I wouldn't know. How do you keep that straight? Keep thinking about that book deal money. And how do you keep it straight, this this individual? I mean, Well, Travis, they knew they didn't murder him. So, I mean, that's there's that. It's yeah. like, at the, at the very least, they're like, well, we didn't kill the guy. We yeah, are fucking with people. Wouldn't, why wouldn't they come out and just say, okay, sorry, we lied about the UFO. We don't want to be convicted of murder. We right. just don't want to have to finish our contract. Or could Travis be. got drunk and we didn't want him to get fired. Or we're all high on drugs. That's way better than a murder conviction. Right. But one of them might have been smart enough, or two of them, or all of them might have been smart enough or convinced each other to be smart enough to know that, okay, guys, if we do this hoax, they're going to think for five days. You're going to have to endure five days of fucking... Why would they do that? For money. Fame. Money. Nobody Fame. got paid. I know, but Travis, not, ev not every Travis plan is successful. Grand. A lot of businesses no, start with the hopes and dreams, baby. There was no money to begin with. Fame. Right. It's not like they're like, okay, we're going to go after this contest. We're going to, you know, there's. Yeah, but, well, that's betting, it's betting on nothing. In 1975 was a pretty nice little chunk. And you're right. And that's just the one that they talked about because there's book deals. Guaranteed got paid mega buco for the book deal. There was probably shopping for that fucking thing. There's got to be some residuals for the movie. And if not, fucking A, who's who's the agent that needs their nuts kicked in right there? <laughs> but there's got to be some money. That's what almost all skeptics are at first looking at the, like, what sort of gain? They're going from zero to whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's some it's zero fame to some fame. fame. So that's enough for a lot of people. Look at the internet, for fuck's sake. I'll eat this bag of fucking poop for the internet on fire. Yeah, I got a million subscribers. You're on fire and you have poop in your mouth. Yeah, well, I did it. Well, it's like the alien thing is more respectable than poop in your mouth on fire. 
Travis. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Nothing. Shit. Poop on the mouth on... F- okay. Travis was the... He's not poopy mouth on fire? Come on. <laughs> Travis was reluctant about all of this. This is That's one of the things that was maintained throughout all the interviews and stuff. Okay. Uh, he wasn't interested in the fame. He fame. really wasn't. Okay. He was shy. Uh, he was reserved. It does seem like that in all the he interviews. He was nervous. Stuff. He didn't want to have to explain himself. He hid from the media. To this day, he lives in the same fucking house that he lived in 40 plus years ago. I don't know so what that says about a it's person. It's a tiny anymore. little house. He's married to the same woman. That's cool. That tells you a bit about both of them. And, you know, they obviously love each other. Yeah. So it's, it's just kind of interesting to me. He's reluctant to talk to the media. He has done stuff. Because his family's reputation was destroyed by this. I bet. So he's gone out. Sorry for the dick jokes. He was hated. The whole family was hated by the town. They right. thought they were, what, what was the ratio? It was like one in five would actually talk to them. Mm. So what you're saying is he did it for money. Fame. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not trying to say that I believe him. Why well, not? These are those things that I, I'm just saying that it's, you know, you got to take this stuff into consideration. His personality, his character profile is the, the person who avoids this kind of shit. Right. So well, I don't know why white, he would be the one. Why not the white Mike? Guy, it's the white guy alien thing. Why not Mike Rogers, who was the foreman, who was the leader? How come if this is a game that they were playing? How come he's not the one? Well, he needed to run point in the so town. So he decided to lie instead. Yeah, what about yeah. Alan Dellis, the guy who already had a criminal record? Why wouldn't he be the one that disappears? Nobody would really give a shit about him. You know what I mean? Sure. I care about you, buddy. I'm saying that this individual was already fighting with people. He yeah. was the black sheep. He wasn't close-knit with everyone. Um, he was kind of an angry man anyways. But if he was part of the plot, he would be the last guy. Because <clears throat> it's like, he's the new guy. He's the least, I mean, they got to have some family blood, you know, and the guy, Mike's the foreman. He's like, he's got to go to the cops. He's got to run the, the other five and be like, okay. listen guys, so what, what about the 17 year old kid? That kid was probably, it was probably his idea. Have you met a 17 year old kid? <laughs> They're on the internet. Like I found this great way to fucking troll. So he's troll. not the one We're that's going to disappear then. Hack subreddit channel. I don't know. I mean, they picked him probably maybe because they, they sat around the campfire and they're like, all right, everybody. He's going to tell a, a ghost story. And whoever scares us the most is the best actor and gets to be the guy that gets to disappear for five days and be in a hotel in the town over and come back wearing Nickelodeon slime. Because they were yeah. psychic and they could tell that this APRO company would act, whatever, would actually participate and do this stuff. Well, they don't know about that. Okay, so. There's, there's things that they can do. How do they know about the hotel happens. then? No, I'm saying that they put, for five days, he had to go somewhere. And he wasn't camping, probably. Well, it's a town of 5,000 people. Right. There's I'd... probably towns outside of that town. And they. How is they... he going to get there? Is he going to fucking walk? Because there was another accomplice. It's the girlfriend. Oh, so there's like it's, eight now. There's the Why not? Duh. It's, a, it's, it's far more plausible than a spaceship coming from fucking... Well, we don't have any idea what the UFO had inside it. Because the UFO just means unidentified flying object. It could be aliens. It could be military guys. It could be a little kid who had a cool science set. And his dad wasn't paying attention, and he gave him some uranium, and he's flying around in a spaceship. I don't know. These are all possible options, but all of the terrestrial ones are most likely. I mean, they are. People hoaxing shit happens all the time. All, obviously, my idea is probably not the way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on. I'm on the fence. There's a lot here that um, I'm. I can't wrap my mind around, and I can't get behind. 
But there's also stuff here that's like, well, you know, that's interesting. What's the best piece of evidence, would you say? I don't know. In 2014, the trees. Okay. That really was. What causes, I mean, if you've got a ring of trees and basically it's a circumference, it's a round circle, it's a radius, and mm -hmm. you've got trees growing around that radius and they all follow the same growth pattern on the same side that faces the center of that radius. Illuminati, New World Order scum. What the fuck? It could be the scum. scum. Well, maybe we have an expert. That, that's that, interesting. That's a listener that I'm knows not about saying, trees. I'm not saying that it was a UFO. Right. I'm saying it was radiation. Yeah, it could have been a and spaceship. Or, I mean, it could have been a, a military thing. It could have been maybe a natural occurrence. Maybe, well, I'm interested in the natural occurrence. Where's yeah. that radiation coming from? Right. Is it coming from the, is there a portal <laughs> in the earth right there? <laughs> For the so it's, and maybe that has something to do with the mineral content and the ferrous materials and the iron in the soil in that area. Stargate shit. Also. Right. So, and somebody needs to talk to these aliens about their spaceship design being magnetic like that. I, right. think, I don't think you should take pieces of planets that you land on with you. I think that's maybe that's. I think we make better shit than that. Maybe it's only a design flaw on Earth. Well, I maybe you require magnetics to bend space and time. And they're like, "Oh fuck, we." Have, yeah, that's a good point. It's like, "Oh fuck, we have to go to Earth, Earth. We got to yeah. get dirt all over us." Yeah, Ooh, that's why you know they're looking for gold. Gold isn't magnetic. Hmm? She knows too much. Like a, bro. Get the flashy thing. All right. Well, I think we figured it out. <laughs> Aliens are for sure true. Uh, they for sure came to this guy's house <laughs> in 1975. <laughs> These guys weren't making it up at all. And they fucking. All right. I mean, that's the that's how, not sh the <laughs> way it was. <laughs> this was a fun story. This was fun. Yeah, I enjoyed we it. We kind of ended up on kind of different sides a little bit on it. A little bit. It was fun. I love it. <laughs> and I love you. I love you. And thank you guys for listening. Mrs. Scriptkeeper and I will talk at you in the future. It'll seem like the present. Yes. Files. Bing, bing bong, bong. bing. <laughs>